Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. For most Americans, coffee is an integral part in their daily ritual that is so ingrained that not even the chaos of the pandemic could break them of their habit. But according to the National Coffee Association, it did change how, where, and why most people reached for the beverage. The recently released Fall 2021 edition of NCA's long-running National Coffee Data Trends Research Series, conducted in collaboration with the Specialty Coffee Association, revealed that over the past year, coffee's popularity in America rose significantly, with 46% of 18- to 24-year-olds reporting that they drank coffee in the past day, a 10% increase from January 2021. Likewise, coffee consumption in the past day among 25- to 39-year-olds reached a record high of 65%. Now, not only are more Americans drinking coffee, but according to the report, they became more adventurous in the types of coffee that they reached for as they adjusted their rituals first to adapt to the at-home lifestyle enforced early in the pandemic, and then again to the slow reopening of offices, schools, and shops as the coronavirus vaccines became more readily available. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, NCA President and CEO William Murray explains how these shifts and the pandemic more generally are creating new opportunities for the coffee industry including for both players that cater to at-home consumption and those who operate in food service and more on-the-go settings. Pulling on insights from NCA's most recent survey, Murray also shares how emerging consumer preferences that go beyond taste and experience are reshaping the category. Finally, he offers an early glimpse at how the youngest generation is approaching coffee and what this might mean for the industry long-term. So for the coffee industry at large, the pandemic has brought mostly good news, but it has also brought change, which for some parts of the industry has been great, other parts less great. So first, the good news, as Murray explains, is that the coffee remains Americans' favorite beverage, a position that is held for the past 10 years and which helped buoy sales for at-home consumption during the pandemic. The mixed news, however, is where and how Americans drank their coffee has changed, with at-home consumption rising and away from home consumption taking a significant hit during lockdowns. However, Murray says over the past year, that trend has begun to reverse. Uh, We do something we call the National Coffee Data Trends Research. We survey a representative group of Americans, not just coffee drinkers, all across the country a couple times a year. And one of the questions that we ask people is, what did you drink yesterday? And the number of people who tell us that yesterday they had coffee is pretty consistent at about 60% of Americans. So let's answer your question directly. How does this compare to other beverages that are out there? Believe it or not, 47% of Americans tell us that they drank tap water yesterday. So so just to put that in juxtaposition, 
60% of Americans had coffee, 47% had tap water, 47% is also the number of Americans who had tea yesterday, and about 39-40% of Americans had soft drinks or soda, 22% juice. So that's the yesterday question. If you expand this question a little bit, and you say, what did you have over the past week? So you open the time horizon. 69% of Americans tell us that they had coffee over the past week. So what I'll tell people just colloquially, based on the research, is roughly 70% of the country are, are coffee drinkers. So that's what leads us to say that coffee is America's favorite beverage. Uh, the, the good news for those of us in the coffee sector is that the pandemic has not changed how much coffee people have been drinking. So when I say that's good news, if you're in the coffee business, uh, you're not in the hotel business or the airline business or another sector that was just just really devastated by the pandemic, overall the message is, is very good. What has been impacted throughout the course of the pandemic is where we're drinking coffee. So we're still drinking our coffee. We love our coffee. We want our coffee. We need our coffee. But, of course, we were locked down for a portion of this pandemic, and we've had concerns about getting out in the public. Uh, here, what I'd say is, We've always been drinking our coffee at home. We're just drinking more of it at home. So 85% of coffee drinkers uh, drink at least one cup of coffee at home. Uh, but we did see this impact over time. We saw a 55% decrease in people who were drinking coffee in workplaces, convenience stores. We saw a 20% decrease restaurants, 50%, coffee shops, about a third. So when I say that there was an impact on where we were drinking coffee, it's really because our ability to get out and be mobile was impacted. And I think what this reflects is what a portion of our life coffee is. We, we drink our coffee out, we drink it in, we drink it with friends. And because all those things were limited, there were shifts here. On the other hand, there were some other changes over the course of the pandemic. We saw a huge increase in app-based ordering and delivery. Uh, we saw app-based ordering and delivery up uh, to about 39 40% from January to September of last year. It's decreased a little bit. But again, this is back to the where question, the contact, the human contact question. So big picture, we've still been drinking our coffee. We love our coffee. We've just had to limit where, change where, make some adjustments. And that really brings us up to where we are right now as things are starting to return to normal. We're seeing us turn return to our old habits and our old patterns. So we just did this survey a couple of months ago. This is the survey for the fall of this year. And we compared the numbers to January of this year. 
we saw consumption of coffee at work go up by 55% since January. Uh, cafes and restaurants up 20%. So we're seeing all of us now going back, just like you said, Elizabeth, you said you were venturing out and coffee was sent all to that as you started to re-explore the new world. That we're in. And that's true for, for everybody else. One of the biggest questions about how the new normal will impact coffee consumption going forward hinges on how many people will continue to do their jobs from home and how many will return to their workplace. We asked people about their office workplace coffee. About one-third of the people that we served, they said to us that they're using their workplace coffee less frequently than they used to. Okay, so about one third. When we ask those people why they're using their office or workplace coffee less frequently, about one third of them said they're bringing their coffee from home. A portion of them also said that they're going out to get their coffee. And about one third of them said that they're drinking less coffee in the office. So to sort of cut through all the math here, if you take one-third of one-third, in other words, um, one-third of the groups that are drinking less coffee at the office, um, and, and then of those folks, one-third said, yeah, you know, I'm not getting it any place else. It's about 10%, 11% overall of people in the workplace, right? So there's good news here. The good news is that People probably are seeing thinking about this from a health and safety perspective. Like, I still want their workplace coffee, a good chunk of them. Perhaps it's a question of the communal coffee machine. And I think that potentially creates opportunities. It creates opportunities for touchless machines. It creates opportunities for more customization. Um, in other words, if you go all the way back, you know, the workplace coffee was a pot of coffee sitting there or a carafe of coffee. We've seen a lot of workplaces move to single-serve type coffee because then everybody in the office can get what they want. You can get your pumpkin spice coffee, and I can get my decaf, and somebody else can get their French roast. So I think there are opportunities. Um, the opportunities are technical. If you want to call them technical in terms of opportunities, to address any concerns that are in the office. Um, the opportunities are often here to talk about coffee and health, but there's really no concern about the office coffee machine. I mean, if you're doing the normal things that you should be doing, like washing your hands, you know, and disinfecting the coffee machine is perfectly fine and perfectly safe. The long-term shift of more people working from home also creates opportunities for the coffee industry to offer a more premium at-home consumption experience. As Americans invest in new and higher quality coffee and machines with which to brew it. People are doing a couple of things at home as they're working from home. Um, they're investing in more equipment. They're saying, hey, you know, I want to go out there and uh, buy myself a new machine or, or something like that. Um, they're also trying to replicate the drinks that they used to get out of the coffee shop. 
As a result, Murray said 23% of coffee drinkers purchased some type of new coffee machine to do something different with their coffee at home during the pandemic. For years, the most popular at-home options were drip coffee makers, single-cup brewers, and espresso machines. But during the pandemic, cold brew broke through to the top three most popular preparation methods, revealing an opportunity for industry. Cold brew is one of those types of things which consumers have been looking into, and it's really been a remarkable story. I, I think the first thing we should do uh, for the sake of everyone listening, is just talk very briefly about what cold brew is. Cold brew is not iced coffee. Just to make this even more confusing, cold brew can be served iced, but it can be served hot. So uh, what is cold brew? Traditional coffee, it's made with heat. There's heat extraction to get the coffee and the water together to get your beverage. Cold brew replaces heat with time. So cold brew coffee is coffee that is made over a period of time, either at room temperature or chill temperature, to extract the coffee essence from the coffee and, and create your beverage. So now let's talk about what's happening with cold brew. I mean, cold brew is really the, the excitement of the moment for a lot of consumers and, and a lot of coffee companies. Ten years ago, Cold brew was virtually unknown. I mean, it's been around for a long time. But 10 years ago, if you talk to most people, they'd have no idea. Nearly 80% of adults tell us that they've heard of cold brew. 20% of Americans have tried cold brew. So what is so interesting about this from my perspective is there's a huge gap between awareness and the experience, and that's opportunity. I mean, if you're out there trying to introduce folks to a new beverage, and you've got to start by making them aware of what it is and then convince them to drink, you've got two hurdles to get over. Let me tell you what this is, and let me convince you to drink it. But if from the outside, consumers to know what this is, this is the 80% of consumers who've heard of it, you're already in a much better place. So what's happened with cold brew? Well, uh, between January and the fall of this year, when we surveyed consumers uh, by, by the fall, 15% of past-day coffee drinkers had a cold brew beverage. This is up 50% from January. Now, there may be some reasons that at the seasonality affected this increase. I mean, even though cold brew coffee is not necessarily iced coffee, it's often consumed that way. So our fall survey was on the end, the tail end of the summer season, depending on where you are in the country. It could be a lot warmer than in other places. But you think about this, this is a 50% jump up from nearly nothing, you know, 10 years ago. Um, so there's huge opportunity here, um, driven generationally. And partly driven by convenience, very often cold brew can end up in an RTD or ready-to-drink form. Um, and so that's certainly helpful to the category as well. As fast as cold brew's popularity is growing, the method is still only a small fraction compared to the 40% of consumers who use drip coffee makers. 
making this tried and true format the most popular of all the common prep methods. But Murray Warren's drip status as number one could be running out as the popularity of single cup brewers rise. If drip coffee makers could speak and they were at a football game, they'd say, we're number one. Hey, we're number one. Now, they're not as dominant as they were a few years ago. Um, if you go back uh, seven, eight years, say you go back to 2013, uh, 58% of coffee drinkers told us that they used a drip machine uh, in the prior day. That's down to 40% right now, uh, but that's still number one. What's in second place are single cup brewers. Uh, 23% of past day coffee drinkers are using single cup machines. And, and I think conceptually, you know, we're really talking about variations on the same way of making coffee. One, you're making a larger amount of coffee typically, and the other, you know, you're making a, a single cup. And there's the convenience where, just like in the workplace, um, different people in a household or different people uh, using that machine can have different preparations or different different types of coffee. So uh, between the drip coffee and the single cup machines, uh, those are definitely uh, the dominant forces here. Uh, but cold brew is coming hard on the heels of this, and I think we're going to have to see uh, if this continues to grow, uh, if this increases overall consumption, and it's an additive. It's really too early, I think, to say anything except there's a lot of potential for cold brew, even as cold brew is growing very rapidly. But it hasn't knocked the old boys uh, off the shelf yet. Another emerging trend that Murray is watching that is tangentially related to the shifts in preparation methods is the rising popularity of ready-to-drink coffee. Ready-to-drink coffee, or RTD. You know, we're talking, uh, so this is very generationally driven. Uh, consumption is jumping. It, it jumped from about 5% of coffee drinkers to 10 uh, in 2013 to 10% in our most recent survey. This really gets a new generational questions. It gets some lifestyle questions. If you go into a convenience store, uh, you might see uh, somebody in a younger demographic go up to the cooler, open that cooler, take out three bottles of coffee, put a couple in their backpack, keep them for later, open one right there. So there's the convenience of sort of that grab and go thing. So we're seeing growth here in that segment, but I don't think that growth is plateaued by any means. And it's, in some ways, it can be challenging for the industry because, you know, we're talking about moving from roasting coffee, packaging coffee, or serving coffee in, in a traditional way, even if the packaging is a little different, which is single serve, to really a whole new experience. We're talking about bottling. We're talking about different manufacturing technology, different production partners. So there's a lot of opportunity as this increase continues, uh, but it's definitely something that requires a lot of intention, a lot of focus for the industry where uh, we're still looking also at drip coffee and single serve coffee, which is, which is very traditional. So, so I think RT is a potential or an opportunity that is here with us right now, 
but perhaps one that's uh, uh, really easy to grab a hold of. Another trend Marie is watching that's a bit further on the horizon and which has much less clarity at this point, but it's still significant potential, is a rising consumer interest in coffee with functional benefits that go beyond the beverage's basic energy boost. We, we ask consumers about what the different factors are that would make it more likely or much more likely for them to make a purchase decision about a particular type of coffee. And this question of coffee plus beverages is one that's very interesting. It depends um, really on what you're asking consumers about. So in other words, you might say to a consumer, if a coffee had antioxidants in it, added, I mean, coffee already has antioxidants in it. If it had additional added antioxidants, would you be more likely or much more likely to buy that coffee? If your coffee had vitamins added to it, if your coffee had CBD in it, so depending on what particular additive or, or functional enhancement that you're talking about um, is, is in the question. What you'll find is that consumers will tell us that they're anywhere from 18% to 29% more likely to buy that coffee. At the top end, they tell us that they're much more likely if you have additional vitamins in your coffee. At the lower end, it's CBD. And, of course, there's uh, no lack of controversy around CBD and certain aspects, everything from um, the effect on people's health, the legal situation, and other things. So oh, certainly there are coffee companies that have coffee plus beverages, lots of different things. Um, and I think we have to better understand and see what the potential is for which enhancements um, are going to drive consumer behavior, what impact those enhancements might have on the sensory experience. Do I still like my coffee if it tastes like a multivitamin, right? Uh, but I think this is an area of future exploration for, for all of us, given what consumers are saying in the research. How consumers prepare and consume their coffee and the attributes that they prioritize when making their selection depends in large part on their age. With older consumers gravitating to traditional drip coffee made at home, and younger consumers opting for more premium, technically advanced options that are easier to select at cafes than to recreate in their home. Um, what we see is if you take uh, 18 to 25 year olds, this group is the top consuming group of things like frozen blended coffee, uh, nitro coffee, draft coffee. Uh, close to 25%, actually about 23% of coffee drinkers in that age group had one of those drinks uh, in the past. And I think your point, Elizabeth, these are beverages that are consumed not at home typically. You're, you're much less likely to make yourself a frozen blended coffee at home than you are out at your favorite coffee shop or have it at your favorite restaurant. And that's exactly what you said. It's a question of social interaction and it's the experience. We know that there are other considerations that younger generations bring into their decisions. One of them is the experience, being out with your friends, 
or socializing around something is perhaps even more important for, for Gen Z than for other generations. If, if you move up into the next age cohort, uh, you start to see a reduction in the amount of these types of beverages that say 25 to 39 year olds are drinking and just 14 percent uh, about two-thirds of 40 to 59-year-olds are drinking those averages. So I, I think the question is, how much are these younger consumers going to change the industry? And how much is life going to change these younger consumers? So as they get their first jobs, as they graduate from college, as they're studying all night, are they going to move um these, say, frozen blended beverages into a, uh, an espresso when they're getting ready for an exam the next day. And how much are things like frozen beverages going to become a mainstay in the world of coffee? Oh, the answer probably is a little bit of both, right? But, yeah, we're absolutely seeing uh, less traditional beverages and certainly more experiential focuses um, by this generation. While the taste, experience, and benefits offered by coffee are primary drivers for consumer selection, Murray says that sustainability is increasingly influential and an area where industry players are actively self-reflecting and taking action. As a definitive study on coffee drinking in the United States, the National Coffee Data Trends Research Series is packed with insights, many of which we don't have time to touch on in today's podcast. So I encourage you to check it out at the National Coffee Association's website, www.ncausa.org slash research dash trends slash market dash research slash NCDT. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this installment and tune in again next week for another episode. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.